Hey everyone, I'm Veronica Roshek, and I'm your host of the Amplify Iowa podcast. This is a place to hear the stories of our favorite, some of the fastest growing, and some super unique local businesses directly from their leaders. Thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and get started. Today's episode is featuring a business that a lot of you probably either have been to one of their events or you have certainly heard lots of crazy things about one of these events. We have with us Marshall Porter, who is the co-founder of the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival and is also their chief bacon officer. Marshall, thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate having you here. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yes, this will certainly be a fun one. I'm very excited to learn all about how in the world this actually got started. It is certainly a, uh, a staple thing in Iowa at this point, and although it's not even just in Iowa. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with Bacon Fest and what exactly it is for somebody that may not know. Well, I oftentimes like to say that uh, that the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival started like anything uh, uh, just awesome. You know, uh, it was a, a discovery much like electricity or um, or a discovery uh, quite like, um, I don't know, let's say penicillin. Um, it just kind of happened by accident. Um, and we stumbled upon this idea of putting bacon with with everything years ago. And it was really up in Spirit Lake, Iowa in 2004, a group of me, my friends, my younger brother and some of his friends uh, got together and somebody started cooking bacon, about a pound of it, and uh, it was gone in seconds. And so we decided from that day forth that during this lake weekend that uh, we would have to have bacon cooking at every moment during the day, and we'd have to incorporate bacon into everything we ate. We called it the Beer and Bacon Fest. Um, it was just a gathering of about 12 people. And then um, it, things it, we were getting together every year doing the Beer and Bacon Fest for quite some time and singing songs by the fire about bacon, you know, on the, a little bonfire on the beach. We talked and dreamed of having a very, very large bacon festival. We figured that if there was a festival that um, that celebrated spam, that there should definitely be a festival that celebrated bacon. <laughs> and uh, and then it wasn't until about 2006 that a friend of mine, Brad Proctor, his mother ran across this class over at Living History Farms called All About Bacon. And we were having a hard time getting together that year. And so we decided that we'd go ahead and go take this class all about bacon. And we called this Leo Landis, which we call now just the bacon professor. We gave him a call. He was teaching the class and asked whether we could bring our own beer because we were used to drinking beer while we were eating bacon. And he said, uh, sure, if, if you have an insurance certificate, which Brooks Reynolds, another co-founder of the festival and chairman of the bacon board, he uh, said at the time he, he was writing insurance, and so no problem, he could get us an insurance certificate. So we came in there with coolers full of beer and uh, started sampling bacon from all over Iowa and learning more about it. And from that point forward, we, uh, we even got more impassioned. And then when there was this little rag, this magazine in town, 
uh, that was launched by the Des Moines Register called Juice. It was targeting 20 to 30 somethings. And they'd always do a little profile or ask a question within the community. And one of the questions they asked that was in the inside cover was, what does Des Moines need? And uh, they interviewed Brooks Reynolds, again, chairman of Bacon now, as to what Des Moines needed. And he said a festival dedicated to bacon. And uh, the owners at the High Life Lounge were sitting there during the same time after the interview and said, hey, we'd be willing, this Jeff Bruno, Br Bruning, sorry, we call him Bruno. Um, he's kind of the beer guy of Iowa. He said that he'd host it over at the High Life, uh, that he'd hold it at the High Life Lounge uh, in the L Bait shop if we were willing to put it together. And so we got together as a group and uh, everybody was on board and we launched the first one and 13 years ago. It was, uh, yeah, 2007, uh, March 1st, National Pig Day. Uh, we And we decided that we we're going to call it the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival. Just, I mean, it, it seemed to make sense. Blue Ribbon, the best, you know, and, and Bacon Festival. That way we knew when other bacon festivals came around that they would know that the Blue Ribbon one was was the highest, the best one. And, and we got to go in there with, what, 150 people. It sold out pretty quickly. People just uh, wrote checks, brought it to the front desk, or over to the bar over at High Life and uh, secured their spot. So we had 150 people that first year. And that was pretty much sold out for the El Bait Shop area. The following year, um, and people were really upset because Juice covered it. They were very happy about it since, you know, it kind of came, came about partially because of their interview. And uh, so the second year, we finally put tickets out on sale. Uh, I can't remember how we sold them, but it was like 300 tickets were sold really in, in no time at all. And it was booked and sold out. Again, we took over High Life and El Bait Shop. And then the third year, we just, Bruno didn't want to put up a bunch of tents at El Bait Shop in March, um, wasn't really interested in blowing up the festival. He had already had a couple festivals that he was highly involved in. And, and uh, so we decided to go ahead and take it independently. And we went over to the Scottish Rite and rented that place out, which was fun because then we were able to bring in a lot of food from a lot of really great restaurants and different food vendors versus just solely the high life lounges food which is delicious but um it was nice to mix it up and booked all of our own bands and brought in the bacon professor and and then uh from there it just kind of kept on growing it just and we had to keep on finding new uh places to host it talking to more bacon purveyors to provide more bacon in our bacon showcase more vendors uh more music and more craziness. So it kind of became a quasi, I don't know, uh, tailgate slash day drinking party slash music festival, food festival, just all around good time, I guess. <laughs> That's so great. Such a fun, lighthearted, you know, way to start something that you really, really everyone just enjoys and is fun and but it's take you know at the same time it's it's been yeah like you said 2004 then to you know 2006 2007 and it's slowly 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 grown but at the same time it's exploded and so uh there there was bacon festival in japan 
And I know that the one, at least last year that I was a part of, you know, it sells out. It's just, it's hard to get tickets. So tell us a little bit more about where it stands right now. And I know that right now in particular is probably a little different because of coronavirus and festivals that don't really agree very well. But uh, yeah, in general, how, where are things right now? So yeah, I'll take you a little bit along the path of, of growth that we experienced. Finally, it was, I think after, yeah, after year three, there was a little money left over after the event. Again, this has always been an event more of passion than it has been a financial venture. It's just a passion of, of, of bacon, food, and the feeling of wanting to share that um, with others and see what others bring to the party. Because uh, there's, it started with five guys, really. And at the same time, you know, five guys can only bring so much to a party. Each individual is really a part of the event. And, um, but I, I guess I'm kind of sidetracking here. What, let me get back to when we actually had some money left over. <laughs> we decided to go on tour with this woman that had written this song. I mean, this, this book about, I think it was uh, Bacon Love or something like that. She had written a book. She was doing a book tour. She wanted us to go along with her. We said, sure. We made stops in Brooks, went to Arizona. Um, I have some family in Idaho. She had uh, in Napa, Idaho, just outside of Boise. We had another small event. And um, and so that's where all, all the profits went to sharing, sharing bacon with others. And uh, and putting on some of these smaller events elsewhere, what we call, I don't know, it's growing the Bacon Fellowship around the nation. And we weren't very successful at that at first. And then uh, the second, and I guess the fourth year, after the fourth year, we had a little more money left over. And so we thought, well, let's take this and let's go to Iceland and see if they like bacon there. And so there's a group we'd always joked around about going to Iceland for the weekend. So finally we had enough money. We decided we'd go there for about five days and, uh, and share bacon with them. And so we were put in contact with a guy that my brother worked with at the university of Iowa hospitals and clinics. His name was Hjelti Gudmundsen, and he was a cardiologist by chance. He thought it was absolutely hilarious and introduced us to his friends as well as his brother in Iceland and said, hey, these guys will take good care of you. And so we had multiple emails about what we we're gonna do in Iceland, where we we're gonna cook bacon, who we we're gonna share it with, all this stuff. And uh, we quick, we thought, oh, this is gonna be a great trip. And we show up in Iceland and nothing is ready. <laughs> we, we have no bacon, we couldn't import bacon in there. We had no place to, to have, have an event. And all of a sudden we found out very quickly that Iceland, is a country of about 300,000 people. And in, in many cases, they work much like Des Moines does, where you, in some cases, you don't need to necessarily uh, plan a whole lot in advance because everybody knows everybody and you can put something together pretty quickly. And they found out when we called them, they were like freaking out because they're like, these guys are here and they're wanting to do this bacon festival downtown. And they, there was a road that was closed on a very famous street in downtown Reykjavik called Skolvudur Street, whatever. I don't know how to pronounce it. I never will. But it's this long retail street that reaches up to this beautiful church that, that you see. If you Google Reykjavik, you'll see this church all over the place. 
So a very famous street, and it just happened to be shut down to only foot traffic during uh, during that period of time. And and there was uh, another friend of theirs that whose parents owned a jewelry store that was on that street, and they had a beautiful courtyard um, in the back where I don't know if you're familiar with Icelandic music, but of uh, Monsters of Men have, have played in that little courtyard, and and a bunch of other Icelandic bands. They usually will That's have cool. like little gatherings. And so we decided, and then right across the street was um, was a meat market. It was a meat and cheese shop owned by this guy, Joey Johansson. And this, he's a phenomenal chef. He got a bunch of flat tops out there and fuel, and he sold us all the bacon. And then we bought a bunch of beer, and we just started cooking bacon in the street. And wore a big pig head, put up a banner and started playing music and this other Icelander that we got to know very well named Arnie Arnie, Arnie Gorgensen. He uh he ended up uh singing. He's a, a phenomenal singer, an opera singer. He, he he sang in the streets, a line formed, people eating bacon. It was it was beautiful. We had we said some words with the folks and uh from about that point on we started traveling with all these guys over this four day trip. Um, that kind of helped us with the festival. And they said that they'd like, they wanted to partner with us to have a real festival in Iceland. And uh, so we worked from that point on for a year and then we launched uh, this joint venture, uh, the Iceland Bacon Festival or Reykjavik Bacon Festival at that point in time. And it's been going strong for what, it's been about nine years now. And it's, it's transferred over to the Reykjavik Food Festival now. Um, which is great. We have a special bacon area there. And then there's uh, also areas where they promote a lot of Icelandic agricultural products uh, like uh, like fish. They're really big on Icelandic cod, along with Arctic char, some just delicious fish and a lot of uh, a lot of lamb. Lamb is pretty big there, um, as well as Atlantic salmon. So uh, we have and then their vegetables are also delicious we have different areas of the festival all over there so that's kind of grown and changed that's so interesting who would have thought iceland of all places would be just the bacon hub of the festival and yeah yeah, there it is if you all could see it it's right on the wall (laughs) there is we've we've got a map of iceland and all the the fun places we've been um so that's that's been a, a lot of fun and then the icelanders have, have come here and we've we have a theme to every festival in des moines at the blue ribbon bacon festival and uh we invited them all over for i believe it was our fifth festival and it, it was called viking bacon quest and uh so we had all the icelanders come over and we shipped over a bunch of viking beer and uh and everybody a lot of people at the festival that year dressed up it was over at the fairgrounds over at the varied industries building in elwell uh family center and um yeah the icelanders had a whole place that they that we just called iceland it was a small it was this elwell family center area and they turned it into this right around two o'clock during the day the festival usually runs from 9 a.m to for early admission 10 a.m. to like uh, 5 p.m. and around 2 p.m. they they all automatically just turn this building into this uh, Icelandic discotheque, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> that is so crazy. Where else in the world do you go? Well, we have uh, the bacon 
uh, we had the Bacon and Bourbon Festival in Keystone, Colorado, and we were going to be celebrating our 10th year there. However, you know, given COVID, we're having to postpone that celebration till next summer. Hopefully, we'll be able to have it then. And then we also have the Japan Bacon Festival, which is, uh, this would, would have been the, the fourth year for the Japan Bacon Festival. And that takes place in Des Moines' sister city of Kofu, and sister state of Yamanashi, home to Mount Fuji. Um, beautiful, beautiful area, wonderful people, delicious food. It's really neat to see what some of these other cultures decide to do with uh, American-style bacon and incorporating it into, you know, whether it be a ramen in, uh, in, in Japan or even like a bacon kind of sushi or a lot of other uh, delicious and interesting concoctions. And then in Iceland, you know, they also do quite a bit of different things with bacon, like bacon wrapped whale. Um, that's quite a delicacy. Uh, <laughs> that is, the Japan ones were, would sound delicious. Bacon wrapped whale is a little <laughs> questionable to me. <laughs> yeah, the Icelanders have a different palate, you know. <laughs> that makes sense given their location. Yeah, something I'm certainly asking all business owners, just because it's so relevant right now, although it's somewhat taboo too, is coronavirus has just changed every environment and certainly in the event space, certainly been a little bit difficult, I'm sure, to to continue on as is. How are you pivoting your business right now? And of course, you can always plan for the next next year. What else are you guys doing in this environment? Well, that's a good question. Right now, what we're really focusing on is entertainment in general. In 2014, uh, we, we released a movie, a uh, feature-length film called State of Bacon, which you can uh, download on iTunes. It's 90 minutes of absolute bacon fun. It was more of a mockumentary film. It was a lot of fun to put together. And through that, though, we, we learned a lot. And through a lot of our promotional videos, we've gotten more into videography as well as sound and just trying to put together some type of experience that's more, you know, on screen, uh, not necessarily on premise, I guess you'd say. So what we've been really focusing on is taking this time to go visit places in Iowa that are doing really unique things with meat and pork in particular, but we do look at other options. And we've been going out and getting a lot of great video footage as well as interviews and whatnot with, with a lot of these uh, people that are doing things with food a little differently within Iowa. So we explored New Albany, Iowa, which is Iowa's most northeastern a town and it's right there on the Mississippi River. You know, you can cast, you can, if you're, if you're fishing, you can cast your rod over to Wisconsin, Illinois, or Minnesota. It's, it's just right up there in the corner. And so we went up there to visit this one place called the City Meat Market, which is one of the oldest uh, meat markets in, in the state of Iowa. And they, they do a lot of jerky, they do their own bacon, they do, uh, they're, they're pretty famous for some of their salami that they make or bologna but we went and visited them and and it's this thing's been in family for five generations and and did some interviews up there it's a lot of fun um and just to check out some of the recreational areas we also just spent a couple of weeks ago we went to sac county and, and carroll counties and checked out some really interesting things that people are doing around there there's this one operation where they're where they're finishing pigs some of these, it's like a Berkshire Duroc crossbred pig, 
that they're feeding and finishing on on a high amount of sage that they introduce into the feed, which really changes the dynamic and the flavor of the fat within the meat. And and if you're not familiar with those types of of pigs, they they're really well marbled, and so that fat kind of goes throughout the meat and marbles it really nicely. And so the sage flavor is infused in the meat in a way that you, it was not, it's like nothing I'd ever tasted before. And so we, we checked out that area and also, you know, spent some time with Templeton Rye out there as well as Carroll County Brewing or Carroll Brewing and uh, some other uh, just interesting food libation related uh, stuff. So we've been doing that. I, it, we're planning on putting together I think we're anywhere between uh, about a 24 to 30 minute show that's that we're just going to call uh, Let's Meet Up. At least that's the working title. Uh, so we've we've got some of that in the can and I've got a lot of editing time in front of me. But it should be uh, should be a lot of fun, a way for us to, again, kind of grow our 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 bacon audience while also um, promoting a little bacon fellowship on a smaller scale. but on camera. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to incorporate, you know, like I said, it's going to incorporate a lot of these small farms, these people that are producing unique food, as well as some of the chefs that are preparing it and, and some of the music in the region, some of the live bands and stuff we, we, we get involved in, in the videos and, and you utilize their, their music as the soundtrack. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That is very interesting. And that's such a great way to Adjust some, but continue to do lots of fun things around bacon that you're passionate about, and that'll be. I'm excited for that to to come back, come around. Yeah, it'll it'll allow us for a, a way to to be engaged and in kind of in a in a virtual way, be be with a lot of our bacon loving friends, um, or at least connect with them, and then it also gives us an avenue. For, with our sponsors to be able to provide them with a little more value. And hopefully it'll give us another uh, means at which just connecting all people together around International Bacon Fellowship. Yeah, that's super interesting. And then talking about all that, I have to ask, how much bacon do you eat on a regular basis, do you think? Um, <laughs> you know, right now we're, we're deep into BLT season, so it, it might be a little higher than usual. But I'd say I have a family of five, three kids and a wife. We probably get through about right now during BLT season, I'd say about four packages of bacon a week. But, you know, when we, you know, that's excluding restaurants, you know, eating out. But I think here shortly, usually it's about two packages of bacon a week. We might make it through during some some weeks. It, it might just be one bacon. But no matter what, over the weekend, for breakfast it's always one package That's no matter great. what the you, minimum you truly are the the true through and through bacon you know you're authentically that bacon lover i love that bacon to me is more it's 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 not just kind of like a mainstay uh, meat snack it's it's also uh it, it's also an ingredient that uh can enhance the flavors of a lot of other things Absolutely. but i like food in general so i uh, just like food Absolutely. Like well, there's there's definitely I've seen some very creative things done with bacon at bacon festivals. And then I think that has therefore also sparked lots of 
bacon dishes all throughout the state, it seems like. It seems like that, you know, you started seeing more and more bacon flavor just about anything, which is really cool to see I that that has been, it's really been a movement. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at, the, I think we're at the tail end of, of, of the overall bacon craze. However, you know, as, as every, as trends, you know, go up and down, what we, our hopes during this whole time is just by staying true to our real true love, which is, which is bacon, that by, that, that we would, uh, after all these bacon festivals start to simmer down, which I think that they have throughout, I mean, bacon festivals have popped up everywhere since, since, uh, I think when we got started, there was one other event that we saw out there that was, uh, coined as a bacon festival and it was a annual fundraiser for a, a local theater um somewhere in i think north carolina or something um but aside from that we were you know one of the first to the bacon game and afterwards we we've seen it everywhere yeah started a movement so back on the business side of things when did you decide that this was going to be like you were all in. This was now the full-time career. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to decide to do that. I'd say that that was it was about year year eight. It was after we had we had done the state of bacon film, and we had Iceland was up and running, and so was Keystone, and so was Des Moines. And at that point in time, I was. Um, I was a, a financial advisor with Principal Financial Group, and uh, I, it didn't when I, when we were promoting the festivals, and still do as we promote them. I'll, I'll oftentimes be wearing some bacon pants, or in theme, depending upon like during uh, the theme that we had. We had like an exercise theme one year, and during that exercise theme, I think I was wearing a lot of spandex you know, and jumping around with a wig on. I, <laughs> I I started thinking that, and I was on local television, that I started thinking if the market really took a turn right now and uh, my clients saw me in a wig and uh, in spandex jumping around and not answering their phone call, <laughs> I figured I figured I'd better fire myself before people start firing me. And uh that's and I needed to make I knew at that point in time I, I kind of needed to make a decision and and my wife's career was really picking up quite a bit of steam as well and raising three kids I was working two jobs and and uh, while being a financial advisor was enjoyable being a promoter of all things bacon was a whole lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. A lot of people that I'm interviewing, a lot of people that I talk to on a daily basis, just interacting with business owners is a lot of times that decision is really, really hard. But for you, it was almost a little bit different because it was almost, you know, there wasn't enough time anymore. Or, you know, it was really all consuming. You couldn't probably got to the point where it's like, all right, I want to do this really, really well. So now I need to make the jump. Uh, do you have any advice for anyone that may be on that same sort of boat for how to make that decision? Well, I, you know, it's, it's, I think it's different uh, for everybody as to when to step out and really take that risk. And it's, and I'd say at the same time, it's not for everybody. The lifestyle of, 
of running a business is is oftentimes where you you're constantly having to reinvent the business as we are right now and you you have to have a lot of energy and a lot of passion and and you have to constantly i think be very aware of where point a is and be honest with yourself where you currently are and you have to do a very good job of visualizing what point b is where you want to be and where you want to be that point b i guess is got to be it it must uh excite you a whole lot because you really are on your own quite a bit and needing to lead and encourage others to get enthusiastic about your vision. You can't do it alone, no matter what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, the business that you're trying to create, you can't do it alone. You need other people to help you and, and, and to, to also believe in, in the same vision that, you're, that you, you've got in your head. And so, yeah, I'd say the minute that you find out that it's something that, that is taking up all your thoughts at night, or during those quiet times you're thinking about and excited about and you can figure out the numbers that's that's a good time to do it <laughs> absolutely it's, it's scary though it's scary when I, I i don't know how many people are i'm not saying that i'm i'm special by any means but it takes i grew up my father uh, owned an advertising agency and i grew up in in this the kind of environment where somebody consistently picks up the food and water bowl and moves it. You know what I mean? You, you can't just go to your desk every day and be ready for somebody to give you work to do. <laughs> You've got to be making, making up all the work you have to do. And oftentimes having to do a lot of work you don't want to do. That's just because resources can be tight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly if somebody needs to be, you know, eat, sleep all hours of the day, it's what's on your mind. It's what you're passionate about. If we were to see you out somewhere in your bacon pants, we, we would know that that was bacon is, is the real deal here. And that, that bacon enthusiast, chief bacon officer, that seems to just carry through and through. So I think you're right that you have to you're, there's a lot of risk that goes into it and you have to be able to find ways to pivot in that passion and um, you seem to have been able to find some new avenues here well and as a hobby initially anyway uh, being able to take that from from something that you and your friends are just you know hanging out and finding ways to do for fun and then here it is now an international venture yeah, it didn't it didn't quite I mean, while we sit down every few years and really kind of paint a vision for what it is that we, we want to accomplish and where we want to be in the future. The way that that this happened or this business began is it did begin with it's it was like we had I had an itch I wanted to scratch, and so did my friends. Um it was uh it was an idea that we all felt and we looked at each other and we decided that we must, that we had to pursue. We had to see it happen. And as we made those first steps to making the event actually happen, we found that there was more there. 
there are budgets, there are business, there are, there are goals, <laughs> there's sponsorship goals, there's sales goals, there's all that kind of stuff. But it, when you're working with a group towards a common goal, it's, it's pretty exciting. But I would say that, that when it comes to starting a business or deciding to jump off and do it, I, the question is, is, is that, is that itch really need to get scratched? I think that people start to realize pretty quickly um, when they've got something inside of them that they just have to share with others, or if there's something that they wonder if they could do that they, they need to figure out whether they can actually accomplish it or not. Uh, there's something there, I think, with most people that decide to go off on their own and create something uh, that hopefully provides some some income to their families and some future security, uh, that if that's their goal, that, uh, you know, there's got to be something else fueling them as, aside from that, you know, some kind of question as to whether or not they can, they can pull it off or whether or not people will really enjoy the whatever it is that they envision, uh, whatever product or service that they're trying to create, whether people will receive it and enjoy it as much as what they believe uh, they would, you know, I don't know. That is a very well thought out way of looking at it because it is, you know, there's a lot of weight there and it's very all consuming and can be your whole life. So, and you, and, and I, seriously, uh, you make so many mistakes. You make I, so many mistakes um, along the way that you, that you learn from. And you, I think you definitely need to be ready to say, hey, listen, I've got as much information as I can have right now. I need to make a decision whether I'm going to move forward with this or whatever the decision might be. But then be ready to kind of take a look and be okay if, if you know, you make a, a mistake and you've got to tweak things because it's just constant mistakes and tweaking and then and then there are the successes and those sometimes uh you know can be surprising and fun as well yeah we have certainly seen a few of those so far we look forward to seeing what's next um you've talked a lot about what what you're doing right now to pivot with shooting this the movies, the docu-series, the show, all that fun stuff. What do you think is the vision for where you're going farther out into the future? What is next for you? Or is that still a work in progress right now? No, we're, we're still in discussions uh, about that. I think that what would be a lot of fun is if we could pair this kind of series. I don't know if you want to call it a television series or a video series or, or what. But if we can pair that with the festivals, if we have a Let's Meet Up Iowa, we can visit a lot of small towns um, and learn from, um, from a lot of people that are making food deliciously and maybe a little differently. And if we can bring them into that experience at the festival as well. So not only would we have some video content that people can kind of get an idea for, oh, this guy is doing something differently, this is really cool, but I don't have a lot of time to go visit New Albany, Iowa. Well, they come to the festival, there'll be a wonderful booth from City Meat Market over at the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival. They can even try and they can connect with this person that was interviewed just on, on the video that they watched uh, a few months back. And to be able to do that and bring that into each festival, if we could have a Let's Meet Up Iowa, if we could have a Let's Meet Up Colorado, a Let's Meet Up Iceland, Let's Meet Up Japan, where we can where we can pair this uh, 
fun, exciting video content in with an actual live experience event, I think it would have a lot of value for the individuals that the participants, as well as a lot of value for our sponsors. And it would be a lot of fun for us um, as we, it gives us a, a platform to develop more relationships with, with people in the food industry that are doing things a little differently, that are doing things in a, in a notable fashion that we think is, uh, should be paid attention to, or people should listen to, or maybe try or consider. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, great way to be able to kind of marry the two big ideas together to merge them into what is next. That would be very exciting. I would be a fan of that 100%. And I know a lot of our listeners here would too. Thank you for sharing all of the bacon deliciousness news and your story and we're really all looking forward to, I'm a fan and looking forward to what is next in the world of bacon enthusiasts and uh, the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival and everything associated with it. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I hope that it's been a, a decent discussion. <laughs> Absolutely. It has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that everyone has has giggled along with me through the through the whole thing because it's such a, a fun, fun way to be able to live and be involved in something that you're really passionate about. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the Amplify Iowa podcast. If you enjoy these stories, please leave us a review, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and follow Amplify Iowa on social media. A-M-P-L-I-F-I-A. Amplify Iowa. Small businesses. Doing big things.